0: Okay amen well i'm I'm looking forward to bringing the Word of God this morning, James and deborah aren't you supposed to be over there <laughs> 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 the broken protocols <laughs> anyway just a bit of a joke um But in in all serious now, in a serious tone, what I want to bring, the word of the Lord that I want to bring this morning, um, I bring with a degree of trepidation because it's a serious word. Obviously, it's in line with some of the things that we've already heard. It's the last day of the year, 2017, heading into a new year and so forth. But there's been a word that has been resonating in my heart for some time. And... um, and so I was awaiting the opportunity to speak, as I will today. But it's also something that God has first and foremost been speaking to me. And, and, uh, and in doing that, um, I, I know that it's a word that applies to us all. And as the Holy Spirit will see fit this morning, God will speak to your heart, I, I'm confident. And, uh, but we must have an ear to hear, because the word of the Lord this morning is one that um, is, must be treated with seriousness, with respect and, uh, you know, we're not coming here just to come around the Word and, you know, hear a Word and, you know, disconnect and move on but we're doing business with God or in other words, God is doing business with us and so let's have ears to hear and our heart to understand that which the Spirit is speaking to us this morning. So let's just pray in Jesus' name. Father, I just come before you, Lord and I come before your Word And I pray, O God, that you would anoint me of your spirit this morning to preach, to teach, and to proclaim your word. My God, that we would take heed to that which is spoken, to that which is revealed. And Lord, minister to each one in accordance with your sovereign will. And so bless this time in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Now... Uh, the thought, this thought has been in my mind for a very long time, but in recent weeks, when I was studying the, going through the various scriptures in Hebrews, you'll recall, and it was even then that I came across it again, and I just knew that it was, the time was near, and so, uh, as I kind of studied it through a little bit more, I've, uh, I want to share that with you this morning, but we uh, we're looking at various are types in the Old Testament that testify of Christ and that reveal Christ, that foreshadow Christ, but also the types that we find in Scripture as well. They find relevance and application to our own lives. In other words, there's multiple applications that we can draw from, from various principles and truths that we find in the Scripture. And so the particular one that I want to consider with you this morning is... What we the Bible refers to as the burnt offering, and so if you actually if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans 12 and Leviticus chapter one. You can mark those two scriptures. And so the the burnt offering is the is what we want to specifically consider this morning. And the one thing that I want us to note about the burnt offering as we look at it and the various things that we're going to con- uh, cover is the, the burnt offering that God had ordained and instructed in the law of Moses related to what was a free will offering. It was a free will offering. The other, various other offerings obviously were required on the Day of Atonement, the Sin Offering and so forth, but the burnt offering, the distinctive aspect of the burnt offering, it was a free will offering that a, in, at any moment in time, an individual could come, and present a burnt offering to God, put it, give it to the priest, and the priest would offer it on the altar of burnt offering in the tabernacle there, and uh, and that would make an atonement for sin. But it was something that was based on free will. And so this kind of lays the principle behind what we're going to consider as well as we look at the, 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 the burnt offering. But it first must be stated that as we look at this and as we consider that, Obviously, the burnt offering is symbolic of Jesus Christ. He was the one who offered himself as a sacrifice on Calvary, freely. And even in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, the Bible says, as Christ also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now listen to those words. They are drawing directly and distinctly from the, the, what we're going to consider in Leviticus chapter 1, the burnt offering itself. Christ is that offering and sacrifice as a sweet smelling aroma to God. Bible tells us that it pleased the Lord to bruise him and to make his soul an offering for sin. In Isaiah 53, the whole basis of that free will offering of God in Christ. And uh, and and all that pertains to our salvation, we understand that. But I want to look at the application and take it further this morning. And I want to make it now not just uh, not to Christ, as we can see, but now how does the burnt offering relate to us? Because there is an application to us. There is an application for us. There is a word of truth in the Scripture that we want to identify. And so I want to preach a message this morning that I have entitled, now listen to this and keep this in mind as we go through, Putting the Wood in Order. That's the title of the message in relation to the burnt offering and all that we're going to consider. I want to keep that thought, Putting the Wood in Order. Because there is a profound truth that is associated with that statement. There is a divine application that relates to it and to relates to our lives, especially in the context of being the end of the year and beginning a new year. We want to consider this in the Word of God and we want to see what the Word of God has to teach us. And so this is my message for the new year. Romans chapter 12, which is a familiar portion of Scripture. <coughs> and then I want to read as well in Leviticus Chapter 1, we'll read him together firstly. Okay, Romans 12, verse 1. Paul writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, let's go to Leviticus chapter 1. Let's look at verse 7 to 9. Now, God's speaking about the burnt offering and he says, The sons of Aaron the priest shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order... On the fire, then the priests Aaron's sons shall lay the parts, the head and the fat in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar, but he shall wash its entrails and legs uh, with water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. So there you have these words in Ephesians talking about Christ being an offering and a sacrifice and a sweet aroma to the Lord. And now we want to see how Paul in Romans chapter 12 in speaking to us in the word of God directly speaking to you and I Paul is drawing upon the same type, he's, he's drawing upon the same truth now, but making an application of it to you and I, that we would present ourselves by the mercies of God, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual act of worship to God. Now, this is profound because Paul understood this and so we, immediately as we think of this, well, what is Paul referring to, what is it spe- specifically that he's speaking about? And this, when we speak about a living sacrifice this morning, we are talking about, ultimately, with that, a sacrifice. We're talking about death. We're talking about, in the context, as the Bible teaches us, especially in New Testament, death to sin, death to self. We're talking about taking up our cross and following Jesus, That is a death to self-will. And so we find counting the costs and all of these things take their place in various ways as to the one who is going to follow Jesus and to the one who is going to serve God because these truths are are eternal and they have various applications as we'll see in a moment to the Christian. But we're talking about the fact that we are required to live a sacrificial life. It's not I but Christ. And this is, uh, for me to live is Christ. Well, see, Paul understood and lived out this concept. The Christian life is not about me, it's about him. But if it's going to be about him and if it's going to be Christ in me and if it's going to be the life of God flowing in and through me, then it must be on this basis and it must be on this basis alone that we live as a living sacrifice to God. A living sacrifice. See, Jesus was described as a freewill offering in the sense that, in the, in the same context as the, the burnt offering. And a sweet smelling aroma, that it says in Leviticus. The burnt offering, when it was offered as a freewill offering, it was, God said this is a sweet-smelling sacrifice in relation to Christ. It said this is a sweet-smelling aroma. And the, that, that, the whole context of that sweet smell has to do with the fire when it consumes that sacrifice. It is a, the, the, the sweet smell is symbolic of God's approval, of God's accepting of that sacrifice, that God is well-pleased with that sacrifice. And that's how we want God to view our lives this morning. That's how we want to fully please him in all things. And yet we know how much we fall short. Amen? And so for the Christian, what we're talking about this morning, in one sense is optional, but in another sense it's not optional because it is required of God that we live in this manner. It is required of God that we are a living sacrifice this morning. It is optional. That's why Paul, is he's laid down the principle, but he's appealing to them to do it because it must be based on free will. I cannot coerce. I cannot force. God cannot uh, uh, make us. uh, uh, We're not talking about legalism here. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about an individual who's willing to lay down their lives and surrender all to Jesus Christ. And what that entails can be very, very Costly, but that's how the kingdom of God works. This is the principal truth, and so it's in light of that this morning, as we turn our attention upon these words to putting the wood in order, that we we have this backdrop. Okay, putting the wood in order. you, You obviously, you most of you have already made the connection, but it's very simple it has to do with putting our lives in order before god in a manner that makes the sacrifice acceptable to god as a sweet smelling aroma and the issue of putting the wood in order is very 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 symbolic it has to do with us making the necessary adjustments the necessary choices the necessary decisions in order to serve god on his terms to serve God according to his will. And that is going to cost us something. Amen. And, so, uh, if, and that's why when Paul says uh, uh, in Romans 12 in our text, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, present your bodies a living sacrifice. But in verse 2, which is what our brother read out earlier during the song uh, our worship, he said, and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, the will of God. That's what we want. That should be our standard. That should be our motivation. And when we begin to operate on that level, then all of a sudden it means that we're going to have to be renewed in our mind. We're going to have to make choices. We're going to have to make adjustments in our lives. And for some, it means that we're going to have to You know, forsake some things. I don't know, but whatever it is, I trust the Lord will speak to you and each of us this morning. But let me first talk about the wood in order. You see, in in the Bible, wood, I mean, obviously, you know, wood has is symbolic. It represents human nature. Like, for example, in the tabernacle, and all of its various furnishings, you had the, uh, the altar of burnt offering, which we'll consider in just a moment, but the altar of burnt offering was made of acacia wood and it was overlaid with bronze. And that bronze represented the judgment. Bronze represents the judgment of God. And so we see that and that represents Christ who bore the judgment of sin upon himself as he offered himself as that burnt offering. Uh, but see, in the, and so it's in that context, but also we have the altar of incense in the holy, pl- uh, in the holy place before you entered into the Holy of Holies and the altar of incense was where, the, once a year, the the, uh, the the priest would put the blood uh, as he would enter into the uh, to the Ark of the Covenant there in the Mercy Seat. But he would go past the altar of incense, and he would put the blood there. And the, this particular, the altar of incense was made again of wood and gold, overlaid with gold. And so the wood, it, now again, the altar of incense is uh, that sweet, sweet-smelling it's, it's It typifies Christ's sacrifice, again. And uh, what we see is that the wood represents Christ's humanity yes. and the gold represents his divinity. And so we see that typified in those, um, uh, 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 what do you call it, the materials. That's the word I'm looking for, Pastor Werner. And we see them typified in that sense. And so what we see now, if we take that principle truth and we see that wood represents humanity, it represents our human nature, it represents our flesh in in, in that sense, then we begin to realise the application that when we find in Scripture to put the wood in order and it relates to the presenting of the burnt offering and various sacrifices, then we begin to see it's speaking to you and I about putting our lives in order so that we can be a living sacrifice that is acceptable. You see, if the wood's not in order, then God won't accept the sacrifice. It has to be done according to his pattern, his principles. And we have to understand that. So, so putting the wood in order this morning symbolises the quality of our sacrifice to God. And God will consider, as we will see, whether or not the wood is in order according to his uh, instruction. And if it's not, then that sacrifice will not be accepted. And this is serious, isn't it, in this context? But I want to just shift from that for a moment. We'll come back to it. But I want you just to bring your attention again, the altar of burnt offering. When God instructed Moses and in the way the tabernacle was set up, when you first entered the, ta- the, ta- the tabernacle, the first thing that you encountered when you went through the curtain, the tent, into the tent, was the altar of burnt offering right there in front of you was the first thing furnishing that you encountered now god did that for a reason now you understand that at the back we had the holy of holies the holy place where the ark of the covenant was and and the cherubim and the mercy seat and where the, the 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 priest went in once a year but you see to get there you had to go through here and the first stage of approaching God, if we're going to draw near to God acceptably, if we're going to worship Him acceptably, then we, what we see is that the first thing we're going to be confronted with, if we're going to draw near to God and we want to get close to God, is we're going to be confronted with the altar of burnt offering. You have to present yourself. That's why Paul lays down 12 11 chapters of doctrine, uh, uh, of, the, of the New Covenant, of the New Testament, of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, and his first practical instruction is... Present your bodies as a living sacrifice because that's the first thing you're confronted with if you're going to serve God acceptably. If you're going to approach God, you've got to approach Him in His terms and that is a life of self-sacrifice. You must lay down your life. That's the principle. And so, there's no way of bypassing the altar of sacrifice in approaching God. Christians will try it. But God will bring us back. He'll always bring us back. He'll bring us through trials and tribulations, and He will cause us to break. He will cause us to yield. He will cause us to bring us to a place of surrender. Because you know what? You can't outwit. You can't. You, you can't beat God. Amen. You can't win. I, I tell you this all the time. And I, I, you you never win. If you want to try and do it a different way other than God's way, you will never ever win. God always wins. And he will bring you back, and he'll bring you back, and the circumstances of life will come into you until you come by way of the altar. Because that's the only way, it's the first step. And we're confronted with this reality in the ministry and life of Jesus Christ, aren't we? We see this principle being uh, set forth by Christ himself. In turning to Luke, you know the scripture, Luke chapter 9. Jesus speaks and he says in verse 23, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what is it to pro- what, what, for what profit is it for a man to gain the whole world and to himself be destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory, his own glory, and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But you see, here's the principle: no one, if you desire to follow Jesus, the first step is take up your cross. Deny yourself and follow him. And Jesus made this and he he laid down this principle and he, 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 he put it forth in such a way that many were offended, and many turned away, and when they got a revelation of what was required, oh this is a hard saying. My gosh, look at the demands. This Christian life. Jesus is so he's so harsh. You know, have you read the words of Jesus? I'll follow you, Lord. Well, and then let me just go bury my father. Let the dead bury their own dead. You come and follow me. There is a demand. There is, a, there is a, an expectation. There is the altar of burnt offering and we must present ourselves and we must come to him on that basis, on that basis alone, which must take up our cross and follow him. We must put the wood in order. Keep that thought in mind. Jesus actually goes as far as to say that if we, if we fail to... Uh, to uh, adjust to that, then we are disqualified. We're disqualified from being a disciple. And how many fall into that category? The, if you want to be a disciple of Christ, then you must learn to take up your cross and follow him. And this even applies to some who, are disqual- who would claim cr- to be a Christian but yet are disqualified because they haven't yet met the first terms of following Jesus. So let's, it's about putting the wood in order. Let's look at this a little further. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. You know the story here that relates to Abraham and to Isaac. And in Genesis chapter 22, I want to read from verse 6. Because not only does Abraham's offering of Isaac set forth a principle that we understand relates to Christ that typifies Christ's sacrifice at Calvary and so forth. But again, let's take it a step further and find its application to us. So let's look at these truths in verse 6 chapter 22 so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together but Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said my father and he said here I am my son then he said look the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for the burnt offering And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So, the two of them went together. Then they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. There it is again. He placed the wood in order and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay him. And you know the story, God intervenes. But you see, God accepted the sacrifice on the basis that Abraham had obeyed. He'd done according to the instruction of God. He put, thing, he put the wood in order. He bound the, the wood to Isaac. This is, again, symbolic of us in salvation, especially, uh, but, but not just in salvation, of us counting the cost, of us taking up our cross, of us following Jesus. And so this is the first thing that I want to put out as we consider uh, these things because there's a principle here that relates to the one who's going to serve God. When you first get saved, the first thing you do is you put some things in order. Is that right? I remember when I first came a Christian and having been involved in various sin and things that were wrong and uh, ungodly, in first making that decision to serve God, I had to forsake sin. I had to make a choice. I had to put the wood in order in order to make sure that God accepted my repentance and that I was walking worthy before him. And this is the principle of repentance. But let me say this, that related to then, but over the course of my Christian life and over my journey, there has been instances and times in the in the will of God where God has again put his finger on me and has called me again to grow, to sacrifice. He's again called me to put things in order, put the wood in order in my life and to make sure that I remain as a living sacrifice in doing His will and that which pleases Him. And even today as I preach this message, uh, I, I know the things that God has said to me in relation to that which is ahead and again God is saying to me, Gary, put the wood in order. You see, this is why this truth about putting the wood in order has has various applications that relates to that which, in relation to salvation but also that which relates to the ongoing uh, obedience and service of God and his will and his purpose for our lives. You know, I said to my wife, I said to her in the car today, I said, I'm going to use you as an example and as an illustration. She always gets nervous when I do that. And so not it 's not the black eye, <laughs> but you see I, when Barbara first became a christian i 'd witnessed to her I, would, I was eighteen i 'd gotten saved Barbara was seventeen, and she 'd gotten saved and for one year barbara didn 't come to church, or well, she came maybe once or twice because of being in an ethnic environment and being in a in a home which couldn 't process what was going on and it was very dominated and controlling and witchcraft and all the name, you name it, it was there. But you see, but yet at the same time, still being 17, being um, loving her family, trying to explain to them so that they would understand what's going on, that she just loves God, wants to serve God, trying to explain the gospel, but again, to no end, great opposition. And then one day she said, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm making a decision. I'm, I'm 18 now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a decision to serve the Lord. And so she... She made that choice. She left a note for her, for her father, her parents, because they weren't home. She left a note saying, I'm going to church. This is where I am, so forth. And she came to church that morning and I tell you the truth, the, the pastor preached, was preaching about Abraham and Isaac and about the need to offer up our Isaac to God. Now, for Barbara, that was her family. And so here it is, she's done this knowing that what's ahead, the persecution and some of the things she had to endure. In actual fact, her father, as we were in the service like this, came in the back door, was a theatre, he walked in, stood at the back, the preacher looked at him and he stopped the service and he said, someone's here that ought not to be here. And Barbara knew, obviously before he even said it, she said she sensed his presence. And he took and uh, so she, they went out to the foyer, so just going out to the foyer there and then in, as we're sitting here and I'm trying to preach, imagine, and then you're going, ah! And so this physical thing's happening. He's uh, he gone into a fit of rage and uh, he wants to get his hands on me. And so th- all this is playing itself out but the point that I'm making is, uh, is and then after that day, after, and after that event, she had complete liberty and freedom to serve God. But you see, for her, it had to get to a point where I had to, she had to sac- make that sacrifice. And it was hard. It wasn't easy. I mean, I didn't grow up when you know, for me, I didn't have to deal with that issue. I just lived as a rebel anyway, my teenage years. I didn't have to process that. But for her, that was, that's how it worked. And so, uh, and, but in doing so, she put the wood in order. God honoured that, and it was well-pleasing. It was a sweet-smelling aroma to God. And that's how the kingdom of God works. And uh, it broke. But see, that's how uh, uh, we find these things operating in the kingdom of God. What did Jesus say? Let's go to Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 34. Jesus speaks clearly about this, about putting the world in order. So Matthew 10, verse 34, Jesus says, Do not think, that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword for I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Well, that doesn't take too much. <laughs> but you see, you get the gist here. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. And he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is saying that there is, if you're going to serve me acceptably, if you're going to be worthy, and if this, that living sacrifice is going to be accepted, then you must come, you must put the wood in order, you must take up your cross. And that means that when it comes to sacrifice, it's going to touch you right where it hurts. But who are you going to put first? God will not take second place. It's God, it's all or nothing. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. It will cost you something to follow Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Whatever it is and however it applies to your life, but it will be a cost. And uh, and if it's not, if there's no cost, then uh, as one man says, a commitment to Christ that costs you nothing is worth nothing. Or a commitment to Christ without sacrifice is no commitment at all. Because if you're going to commit, you know that it involves sacrifice. This is the first thing you begin to learn when you get married. I'm making a commitment because I just we just love each other. Yeah, that's true. Wait till you're married and then you're going to learn what love is. As we learn to, to, to live in this way. One man said, faith that is not worth sacrificing for is not a faith worth living for. Are you hearing? This is true. Because the foundation of the Christian life, the principle of life in the kingdom of God is sacrifice and if there's no sacrifice then there's no life. What we have is a dead form of Christianity with religion and ritual and God save us from such. You see, when we take up our cross and we put the wood in order and we put things in order and we deal with the things God wants us to deal with, then God will consider that as a sweet-smelling aroma. You know, let's let's move on. Let's say, for example, maybe as Christians, they've lost their way. Christians who have gone into compromise. Maybe they're Christians who have backslidden. You know, you once made, you did, you presented yourself as a living sacrifice. You lived this way, but then you've you've drifted away. You've hardened your heart, and you've done things you ought not to have done. Well, how do I get it right with God? Well, Israel came into this category. So, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. We have a perfect example here of how we can approach such a situation. Now you know the story, Israel is in idolatry, it's in disobedience to God and Elijah the prophet has been sent by God and they're on Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, the 400 of them or whatever, 450, what is it, 400, are there and Elijah is there as a representative of God, as a true prophet. Now I want you, as we read this text, I want you to pay attention to the words and see what you pick up as we consider putting the wood in order. So let's read from verse 20 and we're going to go to verse 39. So read with me. So Ahab sent all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. And they are 450. Therefore let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Now this is very important because the wood is very symbolic here and the Lord that answers by fire is God, Remember? Then you call on, in verse 24, then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he's God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it. First, uh, for you are many. And call on the name of your God and put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about on the altar which they had made. Carrying on like pork chops, basically. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's meditating or he's busy or he's on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and they cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. How stupid. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. See, the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Isaac shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seeds of seed. And he put the wood in order. Cut the bull in pieces laid it on the wood and said fill the water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said do it a second time and they did it a second time. Do it a third and they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar and was filled with the trench with water and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel let it be known this day that you are the God of Israel I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me, that the people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now all the people saw it and fell on their faces. Let's leave it there. But see, notice that they put wood on the altar that they had that was made and they're calling upon their gods but there was no, no one answered. But when, when Elijah did it the Bible is very clear according to Leviticus as instructed by God and as we see as a pattern that the wood Elijah put the wood in order, and wood is typifying again of of human nature, and so we see this principle being manifest. And so when he did that, and he laid the, and cut the pieces, and put everything in order according to the pattern that God had instructed Moses, uh, then the fire of the Lord came, and the Lord that answers by fire, He is God. And so, so, so God, uh, in, in sending the fire, said to Elijah, I am accepting of that sacrifice. I am accepting. it is, And that's why the scripture says in Romans that present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. It has to be acceptable. And the only way it's acceptable is when God answers by fire, praise the Lord, and he demonstrates the fact that he has uh, uh, accepted that sacrifice, we want God's approval, and fire is demonstrating that approval. And so, this is how we are to serve God acceptably in a continuous sense, in the Christian life when, requir- when required. And that's why I preached this this morning, and not, maybe not in this manner exactly, but still the principle remains about putting the word in order. In our lives, that's why Jesus says in Luke's Gospel, it says that we must take up our cross daily, daily, because the the whole aspect is we we are crucified with Christ. That was a once and for all act when we were when we were born again, but you see, you must still live the crucified life, and that's this is how it works. It's the it's the first aspect, and it's the continuous aspect. It's twofold. And so, putting the wood in order is man's responsibility and sending the fire is God's responsibility. And if we will do our part, God will do his part. And this is the principle we find in the scripture. You see, wood is a combustible material and the fire of the Lord must continually burn in our hearts. This is true. Actually, go back to Leviticus 6. Because we find in here another various tr- principle truth. Now we talked about the burnt offering in chapter one. In chapter six, God lays down what is known as the law of the burnt offering, okay the law this is the continual principle of it. This is how it works. So chapter one talks about the one and the fine, you know the, in the first instance as we've looked at, and then there's this continual aspect that we want to consider. So look at chapter six and look at verse twelve the law of the burnt offering, and it says, and the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it and he shall burn it on the the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. You see, The priest's responsibility was to put the wood in order, to prepare the sacrifice daily and that the fire was continually kept. And so you see, this is how it works. The fire of God is to be a continual thing. Amen. But you realise as you live the Christian life, it doesn't always feel like that. But you see, this is why we're talking about renewal, not resolutions, okay? But we can take this truth about putting the wood in order and I tell you now, if we, would, if we approach our Christian lives like this, uh, then God is faithful. God is faithful. Amen. And we will see, I'm going to point this out to you a little further as so you be patient with me in the scripture because I want us to see it. But you can see how it works. In Psalm 50 verse 23, Now, we're talking about putting the wood in order. Let's focus on this aspect of order for a moment. In Psalm 50, verse 23, it says, And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. See, God is a God of order. Can you say amen? He is a God of order when he set up the tabernacle and when he instructed Moses in relation to every fine detail of its construction and uh, and its materials, he said to him, make sure that you do everything according to the pattern that I have showed you because these are timeless, eternal principles and this is how it works. You can't bypass this. This is the principle that's right throughout Scripture. And so, uh, and God is a God of order. You have to come through the burnt offering. You have to come through the altar of burnt offering. You must come as a living sacrifice. If God's going to accept, uh, you must come in genuine repentance and contrition and brokenness before the Lord and surrender all. It's about God's order. And that shouldn't surprise us because the whole world speaks of order, doesn't it? We look at the universe, it, it, it's ordered. We look at the, uh, the creation, we see it's ordered. We look at the laws of science, they are ordered. This is how everything is in relation to life. Well, let me say, it is, that, is it exactly that for the spiritual life too. The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 2 that there is a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. There is an order if we're going to live, if we're going to walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit, then you must walk after the order of the Spirit. You must walk according to the law of the Spirit of life. And failure to do so means you will quench the Spirit, it means that you will aggrieve the Spirit. And you will quench the fire. And this can happen. And we can all testify to it. But thank God there's renewal. Amen? Thank God that we can come and we can put the wood in order and we can present ourselves to God again. Amen? And rebuild the altar that's broken and God will come and He will meet with us, praise the Lord. We don't have to live consistently in guilt and shame and depressed and subdued. Amen? Sometimes we have to pass through it, but we don't live there. Amen? Read the book of Romans. It's all about God's order. His order of dealing with sin. His order of dealing with our sins in chapter 3 and chapter 6 gives us the practical application of the gospel and then it moves into chapter 8 and gives us again the law of the spirit of life and how it works. And then after Paul talks about all that, Romans 12, he presents your bodies a living sacrifice and the rest of the chapters deal with the practical application of the gospel. Because if you're going to harness the fullness of God, then you have to set your life in order. You have to put the wood in order. And so if our life is out of order, my question to us all this morning is, well, what is God telling us we have to put in order in our lives? Because if you want God's pleasure and approval, and if you want to be pleasing to God, then you have to put the wood in order. You can't avoid it. You see, let's examine ourselves this morning. How is your relationship with God? Are you reading your Bible regularly, daily? Maybe that's not in order as it should be. Are we praying regularly, daily? Or not at all? Maybe things aren't in order. I'm busy. No, your life's out of order. You have to order your conduct. You must discipline yourself. You must put the wood in order because otherwise it ain't going to happen. Unconfessed sin in your life that needs to be made confession to God, that will put your life out of order. What about, let's, let's be honest, what about my time? Is my time so uh, uh, do, is do I have time for God? do I have time for the will of God do I have time to be about God's business or is it just consistently me 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 or let's go even further this morning what about our finances are our finances in order? honor the Lord with your first fruits and so i, I, I our, our, our finances have to be in order we have to put the wood in order that typifies our lives, our flesh and all that pertains to our life. And we have to deal with things as God would instruct us this morning. I'm just throwing these things out there. I trust God will speak to us. God, The spirit of God will convict us. I know what he's convicted me on. I don't sit here as one who stands in judgment of others. I know what God's dealing with me about and has spoken to me about. And it involves sacrifice. It involves putting things in order. What does the Bible say? Today, if you hear his voice. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden. We put things off. That's what we're like. Oh, well, we'll get it to that. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. But then it's easy just to nullify, just to get caught up in the next event, the next thing, and all of a sudden. But you see, God always comes back. Brings us back. So we must yield to his voice. We must yield to these areas that he's dealing with us about. In, uh, I just want to close with two, a couple of scriptures, if I may. If we do our part, God will do his. In Acts 3.19, it says, Repent and be converted, and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. That's how it works. That's the gospel right there. Repent, be converted, and you will experience the the grace of God the power of God, the forgiveness of God, everything that God is, and that the fire will come and it will refresh your heart. You know, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Now listen, in Second Corinthians, he wrote, and I'll read these words, and he commended them. But this was after he had brought correction and rebuke to them in First Corinthians but he, he commends them because what he's, he doesn't say the word, but basically what he's saying is, is you put the wood in order. Now let's read it with that thought in mind in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 8. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry but that your sorrow led to repentance for you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation not to be regretted but the sorrow of the world produces death for observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner what diligence it produced in you What clearing of yourselves? What indignation against unrighteousness and unholiness? What fear? What vehement desire? What zeal? What vindication? What vindication meaning that God has accepted you because you put your life in order. And he, he, he wrote to them in 1 Corinthians to correct them and rebuke them on many things and to show them that they were out of order in their, in their worship, in their lives personally, in, in sin and in all that was uh, pertain to the various issues that he addressed. But as a result of his rebuke, he knew that they were, uh, he had, uh, it was heavy, but I tell you what it accomplished, because they got things in order. And isn't that what it's about? Pastor, you can be so hard sometimes. Or, Father, Dad, why are you so hard? Because sometimes it gets to the point where ha- you have to put some things in order. And this is how it works. And Paul says, I don't regret it. Although I did regret it because, you know, you don't, it's not, there's no pleasure in this. But you see, it's the benefits of it. No discipline is, is pleasant. But when it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness, praise God. And that's what Paul is saying. And he says, listen to this, he says, what vindication in all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Or In other words, he says, you put your life in order, you put the wood in order, and the fire of God has come, and you are now in right relationship and walking in the fullness of God and in his blessing. See, that's what it's about. That's what we want. And so, in saying that this morning, let us examine our own hearts in light of Scripture, in light of God, in light of the Holy Spirit who will speak to us. And let's examine ourselves and say, okay, well, as we head into the new year, I trust that God is already speaking to us before we even gathered here today. I'm sure he is and has. But let it be reiterated. Let's deal with it this morning. Let's come to the altar of burnt offering." Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come soberly into your presence, acknowledging, Lord, these great and glorious truths. And Lord, let us understand the necessity to put the word in order. This is according to your order, according to your pattern, according to the principle of life that is in Christ. And I pray, God, that you would deal with hearts even now as we are in your presence and move in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.